Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Friday, November the 17th. Coming up, you can hear from the Gillingham head coach as he prepares for his first league game at Priestfield. But first today, there are calls for urgent action to help a Kent girl who's in intensive care as she can't get the right treatment for her epilepsy. Tegan Appleby's mum says she's suffered 19 days of constant seizures after struggling to get access to medicinal cannabis. Well, Emma featured in Tuesday's episode of the podcast after taking part in a march to Parliament to call on the government for medication to be made available on the NHS. At the moment, she's spending around £2,000 a month, which means constant fundraising. Well, now the issue has been raised in Parliament by Dover MP Natalie Elphick. Tegan Appleby, my teenage constituent, is at the moment in intensive care uh, across the road in the Evelina Children's Hospital. Um, My right honourable friend will know from uh, her, her question and answer in June that it was an urgent matter for Tegan to have support from the government to have the funding and the access to her medicinal cannabis that she needs to manage her epilepsy. That meeting that my right honourable friend was very kind in her support for and her follow-up with the health uh, department has still not happened. Can I ask my right honourable friend to not pass another message to the health secretary or to say we need another meeting on this issue? We need action and we need that funding to be available to every single child who needs access to this medicine now. There needs to be, in the autumn statement, a special fund set aside to allow these children to have access to the medicine they need. Her mother, Emma, could not do any more, and she is heartbroken when she sent me a message to say overnight, at midnight, Tegan is in intubation. She has to now be kept in a medical state to manage 19 days of constant seizures. Leader of the Commons, Penny Mordaunt, is promising to follow it up. Well, I'm extremely sorry to hear what the Honourable uh, Lady has said, and I uh, do appreciate uh, and and members across this House will have had experiences where uh, we are very invested uh, in the well-being of our constituents, and I know that this will be a very uh, difficult time, not just for uh, uh, Tegan and her family, but also uh, the Honourable Lady and others who have campaigned on this issue. I am very disappointed to hear that the Department of Health have not met with the Honourable Lady. Um, I wish to make it clear, and I do make it clear to departments, that my request for meetings between uh, officials or ministers and members of this House uh, is not optional. It is a, uh, this House can call uh, people to uh, meet it in select committees. Uh, government departments are uh, funded to provide services to this House, and I'm really very disappointed that the Department of Health have not done that. I will immediately, um, um, well, immediately after this session, even though I will be in this chamber, I know my officials will contact the Department for Health, will contact uh, through my PPS the Secretary of State for Health and make her aware of this situation. We appreciate that we cannot make clinical decisions on behalf of individual patients, but what we can ensure is that if a drug or a medical device 
uh, could benefit a patient, that the systems are in place to ensure that they get access to it, uh, even if it is not uh, a nice approved uh, treatment people in this country still have that right. We will facilitate an immediate meeting with the Department of Health and I will be kept informed uh, of progress on this matter. We will keep you updated on this story. Kent Online News. At the top stories today, and five current and three former Met Police officers are being investigated following the force's failings in the Stephen Port case. The serial killer was convicted of murdering four men, including one from Gravesend. A report previously suggested there had been numerous failings in the way the initial probe was handled. The eight people are being investigated for gross misconduct and possible breaches of professional standards. A Ramsgate man who was spared jail for sexually assaulting a teenager has been hauled back in front of a judge after posing for selfies outside court. Charlie Steen faces further prosecution for sharing the pictures, some of which were also taken inside the building. The 23-year-old was given a suspended sentence for his previous offences and has been given a last warning by the judge. It's emerged a woman died after being hit by a car in Dover and the driver may have now left the country. Paula Greenwood was knocked down as she crossed Folkestone Road and passed away from her injuries in March this year after 11 months in a coma. A coroner's recorded a narrative verdict following an inquest. Police say a thorough investigation was carried out and a man has appeared in court and been fined. Business owners in Ashford say emergency repairs on the Lower High Street are putting customers off visiting their shops. Southern Water closed the road at the junction with North Street earlier this month so they could fix a collapsed sewer and say they'll be on site for two more weeks. Local traders say the noise and blocked footpath, though, is putting people off. Meantime, Kent's getting almost £150 million to repair our roads over the next 11 years. The money is coming from redirected funds that were originally part of the eight. HS2 rail project. Well, Ben Rording is from JCB, which has come up with new tech to fix potholes. We absolutely welcome this funding uh, into local authorities. It will finally give them the tools to catch up on what is a significant backlog uh, of potholes in the UK. That's providing it's used for permanent repairs rather than temporary. It's critical that they absolutely use it on um, innovation and automation in order to uh, effectively catch up on this backlog potholes aren't just a, a jovial issue you know they do have a tangible risk to life um, as well as you know economic um, and safety reasons and in the UK on average a pothole costs 60 pounds to fix with the JCB pothole pro that's less than 30 and bear in mind a pothole is fixed every 19 seconds in the UK there is a huge opportunity to use innovations such as our machine in order to effectively um, save a, a huge amount of taxpayers' money, but, but definitely the permanent repairs rather than revisiting temporary repairs time after time. Kent Online reports. A man's been charged with kidnap and robbery after a delivery driver was threatened with a knife in Gravesend. The victim was on London Road last Thursday when a man got into his vehicle and stole his wallet. A 35-year-old is due in court next month. Detectives investigating a sex attack in a car park in Rochester are urging drivers who were in the area at the time to check their dash cam footage 
footage. A woman was attacked on Corporation Street in the early hours of Sunday. A 21-year-old man was arrested on Monday and is out on bail. An Ashford couple have been ordered to pay more than £3,000 after being caught fly-tipping. They were responsible for three separate loads of rubbish being dumped across the area, including outside their own home. They failed to appear in court to face the charges. Now, a man has said he's going to boycott a Canterbury pub after being accused by staff of taking drugs. Alan Mannings says he was told he wouldn't be served by staff at the Thomas Inglesby, where he's been speaking to reporter Millie Bowles. There was four people at the bar, four members of staff at the bar. One who seemed to be the supervisor on the public side of the bar, and there was three members of staff on the other side of the bar. One was preparing a drink for a customer to take out for the order. One was doing a bit of cleaning and one was having a conversation with the supervisor. So I'm still standing there a few minutes. I'm thinking, why am I not being served? Then all of a sudden I'll get a lady come up and said, oh, what's it like? So I started to order my drinks. Uh, whilst ordering my drinks and whilst she was pouring out one of the drinks, another lady come along and said, um, we're not serving you. Why are you not serving me? Well, we've got suspicions. And I'm, I'm, I'm standing there shocked, absolutely shocked. I'm thinking, suspicions of what? And they proceed to say, like, drugs. I'm like, well, I said to them, I've never, I very rarely drink. I've never smoked. So it's not something I would do. She goes, sorry, but we've got suspicions. Then the supervisor came along. She said, we have suspicions of you. It may have been drugs. You've, got, you've taken drugs or whatever. And I still couldn't understand why. And she said, we will then, we will um, let you have your drink and your food, and then we want you to leave the, the premises. I looked around and saw my, uh, said there was a guy behind me who I knew, and he was saying to me, Al, what are you doing? What's the matter? I said, um, they're refusing to serve me because they believe I've been taking drugs. And he started, to, proceeded to laugh in, in, in shock. I then said to the supervisor, do you want to actually think about your decision, what you're actually making? She goes, well, my member of staff brought it up to me. I then have to follow that through. It turns out he'd blown his nose and had a piece of tissue on his face, which he thinks workers must have thought was an illegal substance. We have contacted Weatherspoons and asked them for a comment. Kent Online reports. This is one of our most read stories on the website today. A school on Sheppey could be sold with the land made available for housing. Halfway Houses Primary relocated to its current site seven years ago. Now its original base on South Down Road could be put on the market. There would be enough room for 60 properties, but some say the school should be retained to meet rising demand on the island. You can read the story from our local democracy reporter Simon Finlay in full at Kent Online and also leave your comments. Farmers in Canterbury are being told to check their animals for blue tongue after a cow recently tested positive. A 10-kilometre control zone has already been set up around the area where the disease was discovered. It's spread by insects, but we're told it isn't harmful to humans. A pub near Sittingbourne that's been empty for 18 months has finally been sold. The fox and goose in Bapchild dates back to the 17th century, but suffered a drop in trade after the pandemic. It's not clear yet what it might be turned into. Now, the Dartford Tunnel celebrates its 60th birthday today. It's the busiest river crossing in the country, serving 150,000 vehicles every day. 
Our reporter, Alex, has been speaking to Alex Vaughan, who's a local historian and has a close connection to the tunnel. What kind of economic benefits did the crossing bring immediately to the local area when it was built? Um, It brought a lot of employment. Um, My family uh, worked on the project. My grandfather uh, was employed as a a, a general foreman um, and he'd previously worked on major projects like the Blackpool Tunnel, Victoria Line, Tyne Tunnel, some projects up in uh, Blackpool as well. He was able to introduce tunnelling to uh, other members of my family. Um, lots of uh, families in North Kent um, benefited by the sort of the increased number of itinerant workers into the area. You know, pubs and hotels and B&B sprung up all over the place. Uh, pubs were full. Um, and uh, it brought, uh, not just to my family, but I know that um, the that the, uh, the 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 second Dartford tunnel uh, brought a lot of um, economic benefits to the to the people of Dartford and North Kent. There were some issues, weren't there, with um, working conditions? Just describe those. Yeah, I mean th- those days, uh, those those uh, the people that worked on the first and second Dartford tunnel, the the construction techniques hadn't really changed much um, since the uh, the first tunnel under the navigable river, which was the Thames Tunnel, which was built by Mark. Isambard, uh, Mark Brunel and uh, Isambard uh, Brunel. Um, uh, and the tunnelling techniques, as I say, weren't that much different. Things hadn't changed, um, except for the introduction of maybe compressed air, uh, where that was in its kind of infancy as well, the methods. Um, and uh, the, the people worked on those, both first and second Dartford tunnels, worked in very kind of punitive conditions to what we're experienced nowadays. Um, and the construction of the tunnels was largely built by by hand with uh, pneumatic uh, spades uh, to excavate the 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 the, um, uh, the the ground onto a conveyor system system which would turn into slurry and pumped it back out. Um, but yeah, very hazardous conditions, and uh, these guys are pioneers, and we've got a lot lot to thank uh, these people for all the, the 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 tunneling technology that we have in place today. Do you believe it's time for a new crossing? Uh, certainly time for a new crossing. And uh, I think uh, depending on who you speak to in North Kent, um, the residents, most of the residents of Dartford uh, absolutely support uh, a, a new uh, Thames crossing. It's been a vintage car parade through the tunnel to mark the occasion. You can see that on the website. And Francis Cluett is from National Highways. The Dartford Tunnel was the first road that linked Essex and Kent and it's the only crossing of the Thames east of London. So building of the tunnel... Uh, been planned since the 1920s and its construction was an amazing engineering feat for the time. Before the tunnel opened, people wanted to drive from between Essex and Kent, either had to use a ferry or they got to drive to East London and use Blackwall Tunnel. And back in 1963, that was only a single lane in each direction. A tunnel made it far easier for people to travel between Essex and Kent and opened up opportunities for people and businesses on both sides of the Thames. In the first year, it was open, the crossing was used by about 12,000 vehicles a day. The original tunnel was about a mile long, when it opened it was just one lane each direction. Since the original tunnel opened in 1963, we've extended it twice, so first in 1980 there was a second tunnel built, and then in 1991 the QE2 bridge was opened. So it's now four lanes in each direction and carries around 50 million journeys a year, connecting people to jobs and family, allowing the goods we rely on to move to every corner of the country and to the ports and on the uh, Kent coast along the Thames estuary. 
about 30% of the freight in the UK comes into the Thames Estuary ports and a lot of those rely on the Dartford crossing to, to get to the destinations. We've dedicated teams stationed at the crossing 24 hours a day, seven days a week to keep the traffic moving. There's dedicated control room at the tunnel monitoring traffic and also monitoring the systems which keep the tunnels safe for road users. Because of the environment in the tunnel and the amount of equipment we've got in there to keep it safe, there's always work to be done. We do this at night, make sure the tunnel is safe and for opening the following morning. Over the years, we've upgraded the equipment in the tunnels to make it safer for road users. For example, we've put in equipment to detect incidents. We've added a PA system. We've put in fireproofing and a sprinkler system. And we've done all this just in overnight closures, getting the road open the following morning for the road users. At the moment, we've got a project upgrading the CCTV and the lighting in the tunnels and maintaining the ventilation and electrical systems. For the longer term, we're planning a new crossing further to the east, which will double the number of lanes crossing the Thames. Um, we estimate it'll take about 30 million vehicles away from the crossing at Dartford. Kent Online News. If the weather's good, you might see some shooting stars in Kent tonight. The Leonid meteor shower is due to peak overnight. The annual spectacle happens when the Earth passes through debris left behind by a comet. Now, thousands of you headed out last night to see the Christmas lights switch on in Maidstone. Gary and Chelsea from The Breakfast Show on our sister radio station, KMFM, were there along with the cast of the Hazlitt Theatre Panto. But it was the Mayor of Maidstone, Councillor Gordon Newton, who got to press the big red button. He spoke to reporter Cara Simmons afterwards. The atmosphere in there is unbelievable. You know, I've never seen it like that before. But it was really nice to have a real Christmas tree. With the snow falling here, it's sort of absolutely brilliant. And what do you most look forward to at Christmas? Oh, gosh, having the family around. We have just a good time and it's peaceful and we look forward to next year. Definitely. The turnout's been great this year, despite the weather. It has, absolutely. I've not not done this before. You're a mayor for one year, you see, and... uh, so, but it's really brilliant, really brilliant event, and uh, it's good. Maidstone have been able to put it on, and one Maidstone and the whole team have set this up today. And the more you, you know, the more you look at it, the better it gets. And on the website, you can find a guide to where there's going to be free parking in town centres in the lead up to the big day. And an 82-year-old jazz singer from Kent has been sampled by Canadian megastar Drake. Norma Winston from Deal says she didn't even know who the rapper was when she was contacted by his team, despite him being the most streamed artist in Spotify's history. Her vocals from a 1977 track called The Tunnel are being used for his new hit. Kent Online Sport. Football first up and Gillingham welcomes Salford City to Priestfield in League Two this weekend. The Jills will be hoping to bounce back from a 2-0 defeat at Wrexham last Saturday. Tomorrow's opponents are five places below them in the table. Midfielder Ethan Coleman says they're enjoying the game so far under new head coach Stephen Clements. We're working. We're working on our tactics that they want to implement. Um, we've enjoyed it as a team and yeah, looking forward to implementing them in the games. Um, I think the style of play in terms of when I play more, have more of the ball, more possession uh, suits me and uh, yeah, enjoy it. You want to have the ball more than you don't have the ball so um, yeah, it's good. We just need a fast start and um, I think there were some good bits in the game. Um, 
but we need to take our chances and yeah do that well boss Stephen Clements says Salford have got striker Matt Smith who's a big target but they're prepared to take him on you have to prepare the boys for what's coming and, 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 and let them know what Salford are good at but you also have to let them know where we can hurt them so we have to try and pick holes in what Salford might not be so good at and, uh, and try and try and take advantage of that too I think, I think every game, every professional game is a battle. I think, I think uh, even you play against possession-based teams in the Premier League, uh, there's a physicality about every football game at the profession, at professional level. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to have to win our duels, um, win our one-on-one uh, battles. And, th- th- of course, there's a physicality when you've got Matt up front, but Matt's a good player as well. And I, th- I think Salford do try and play uh, the ball on the, on the floor uh, more often than not. Uh, so we'll have to have ways to stop that. Of course, you want to get off and off and running, and I'm really looking forward to my uh, first home game in front of the in front of the, the fans. I've heard so many people say to me about what a, what a difficult place it is to play for uh, an away opponent. I just want to make sure we carry that on. Now I know on the pitch we have to give them a team that they're proud of and one that's working is is flat out and is giving everything for them, uh, which I'm, I'm I'm sure we can we we can, but for. For me, I'm really looking forward to getting in front of the home supporters, getting them behind us and, uh, and, and then being our 12th man. Uh, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to this weekend. Kick-off tomorrow is at three. And if you're not able to get to the game, you'll be able to follow the match action at Kent Online. Plus, the sports team will also be covering Ebbsfleet versus Oxford City and Dartford against Maidstone United. Staying with football and the owner of Ashford United has announced plans to sell the club. Don Crosby has been there for nearly two decades, but says he's taken them as far as he can over the past few years. They've upgraded their facilities at Homelands, including a new 3G all-weather pitch. And finally, in athletics, a hammer thrower from Dartford is setting his sights on the 2028 Olympics. 18-year-old Kai Barham has dominated the British youth rankings and has just been awarded a top scholarship at an American university. He'll train under a leading coach in California. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. Plus, you can get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. Don't forget, whilst you're on the site today, you can check out the latest review by our secret drinker. And we've got details of everything going on in the county over the weekend if you head to What's On. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll be back with the podcast on Monday. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.